Let me pray and we'll look at the Word. Father, we need Your Spirit to open the eyes of our heart to see wonderful things from Your Word. Lord, we know that it's the work of Your Spirit using the truth of Your Word that transforms us, that helps us to see You more fully. And Lord, we just want to be humble before You this morning and ask You to perhaps put Your finger on a couple areas in our life in which You want to see more fruit, more of the image of Your Son in us, we, we bow before You, Lord. We acknowledge You as King and as God and ask You to honor Yourself here now in Jesus' name. We are in week three of a five-week series. And I know in week one, when I told you that I knew God's will for your life, several of you looked at me like I'd checked out. You know, how could I know God's will for your life? And we were we clarified that. And when you looked at me crossways, I was glad because if I just came up and told you that and you bought everything I was saying, that might not be a good thing. But we clarified to say we're not talking about God's will in the particulars of what car you should buy or where you should go or what you should do <clears throat> in the things all of us are making choices on. Related to those... We want input from other believers. We want others to pray for us. We want to inform others about important decisions that are coming up in our life. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, we're really trusting God providentially and using His Word and wisdom and the counsel of others that we're going to make choices and we trust God's in that. So we're not talking about those. We're really talking about broad areas of life in which God's Word is very clear that He has very specific wills, very intention. Uh, very much intentional wills for us to see at work in our lives. We talked in week one that God's will for your life is salvation or conversion or regeneration. In fact, we said, apart from that occurring, the others don't make any difference. The others don't apply to you. If you haven't had that moment of conversion where you understood God's God, I'm not. God's holy and I'm not. But God's taken care of that gap, that distance through Christ's atoning sacrifice. Everything that follows is based on that. The week after that, we looked and we said, God's will for your life and mine is transformation into the image of Jesus. Absolutely. This morning we're looking at God's will for your life is fruitfulness. You know, if you say fruit and it's not in the context of the church on Sunday morning, most of us are going to think of apples or oranges, something that grows on a tree and is tasty and we pick and we eat and we're glad for. And that's true and that's the primary meaning of the word for sure. And in fact, when we look at John 15, that's the imagery Jesus will use. But when we talk about fruit or fruitfulness this morning, we're really using the image of fruit to talk about something far broader. And so we're talking about fruit in this sense. Anything that's produced. The product or the result or the effect of what you and I think, what we say, what we do, what we refrain from doing, the fruits of our life. What does our life produce? It produces something. You know, in week two we said that we are always in the process of being transformed. We're always becoming something. You and I, we're not static. We're never static. Life keeps going on and we're becoming more or less of one thing or another. You can't, it can't be otherwise. Well, the same thing is true in this arena regarding fruitfulness. 
because what we're talking about really is the product of your life, the result of our choices, then the, the question isn't, are we bearing fruit? We are. Your life and mine, they're producing something. The real question is, what kind of fruit is being produced? Not if, but only what kind. And when Jesus talks to us about bearing fruit and His will for our life is to be fruitful, He's thinking about very specific, very particular kinds of fruit. To the fact that you and I are bearing fruit all the time, in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, Jesus was telling His followers that false prophets would follow Him. Men would come up, sort of, and say, they knew God's will for your life. And you had to be ready for them. And you had to know what's somebody that I should listen to and who's someone that I should not listen to. And so Jesus said there, you'll know them, you'll know these false prophets by their fruits. Grapes aren't gathered from thorn bushes, figs from thistles. Every good tree bears good fruit. The bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. You will know them by their fruits. My hope is, is minimal this morning, and it, it's this. If it goes beyond this, great. If it's just this, that's good. Is that we have a clear-eyed view of the fruit we're currently producing and can hold that, that up to God's Word and say, are they the same or not? Just a clear-eyed view of the fruit, the product, the result from the life we're really living right now. And how does that compare with the fruit we're called to bear as Christ's followers? That'd be a successful morning. God's will for our life is fruitfulness, but fruitfulness of a very particular kind. If you have your Bibles, turn to John 15 couple things about this passage before we dive in. We'll only treat part of it and we'll treat it very, very narrowly. Uh, John 15, probably the key passage in all the Bible on this topic. There's other passages certainly, but this one speaks to it more clearly, especially to Christians than any other. And also this, when you read through John 15, inevitably we, we come up with questions and it's questions about um, what does it look like to for the leaves, for the branches of a of the the vine to be cleansed. And there's some issues with the Greek terminology that are used. What does pruning look like? And and who are those branches? This is the big one. Who are those branches that are cut off, dried up, and burned? And just related to that, very narrow focus on the text this morning, and also just to put it in context, this is not a passage that's dealing with salvation. Okay, so don't get sidetracked on branches burned. This is a passage about fruitfulness and how fruitful am I and how fruitful are you so that's the context that we want to think about when we read through this so John 15 verses 1 through 8 and I'll skip down from there to pick up 16 at the end as well I'm reading from the New American Standard this is the night of the last supper by the way you remember Jesus has a lengthy discourse in John that night he's telling his friends these guys he's been hanging out with for a few years those final thoughts before He's crucified. So this is one of them. Jesus says, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in Me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. 
you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. In the NASB, they're prunes and clean. That's actually the same root. Uh, we, we treat them a little different, but it means they're cleansed or they're pruned, but it should be the same word in both cases. He says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. They gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And going down to verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. That's why we say this is God's will for your life. I appointed you that you would go and bear fruit, that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. So Jesus is speaking that night to his disciples, his buds, those guys that have been with him for three years, three years and change, the apostles. But those words are to you and I as well. God's will is that we would go and bear fruit, not a little, but a lot. And his image to, to convey this is this vine, this grapevine. This was familiar to the Jews for a couple of reasons. One we'll, we'll mention a little later. But there were vineyards around their time as there are today. My brother lives in California, north of San Francisco, and I love going out there because it is so pretty. And the mountains are really kind of hills there, and there are just vineyards everywhere. The hills are sculpted with vineyards. The valleys are filled with vineyards. It's just this prodigious wine and grape country. It's perfect area to grow grapes. And so you'll see you know, those rows of the grapevines, and you might have really big, wide, old stalks, and they'll come up on these wires typically, and for this old, big stalk of the vine, the branches are always, they're very short. They're trimmed really short. In fact, it's surprising how short and how limited the branches are. But these guys know what they're doing, and they trim everything away that doesn't produce fruit. They're very careful about it. And so, Jesus' crowd, these guys had that image in their head. They know what these look like. And people in those days were like people in our day. They trimmed them. They were careful so that they'd be productive. And Jesus says, I'm that old stalk. I'm that big, thick, life-giving stalk. And you are the little branches on top. And as long as that branch is connected to the vine, it's drawing its nourishment and its life out of that thick stalk that goes down in the ground and pulls up the moisture and the minerals. And when you abide in Me, He says, you're like that branch, you will bear fruit. In fact, I love this, that it can't be otherwise. If we're connected into Jesus, He's connected into us, His life's in us, our life's in Him, He says that's the way we bear fruit. So, God's will for your life is to bear fruit that springs from this vital relationship with Jesus He says this fruit will give glory or honor to God and it will be a testimony to our union with Christ. Just as we're thinking about this, the people in your life that know you, that hang out with you, would they say this person, you or me, 
do we show enough of the fruit of Jesus' life in us that they'd know we're Christians? Because he says, Jesus says, the fruit he produces in us is meant to verify that we're his. Do other people know we're his by the fruit produced in our life through Christ? Now, you know, if you go, it's almost spring, right? If you head out in the country anytime soon, you're going to see the trees are going to be blooming. You know, go out by K4 and Highway 24. And those apple trees are going to be loaded with blossoms and they're going to be producing apples. You know, whatever else they grow out there. And let me ask you this. How hard do those trees work at producing fruit? Like, do those trees, do they think to themselves, uh, I've got to produce fruit, I've got to produce fruit, I've got to produce fruit, I'll think harder. You know, when we talk about this, when we're convicted that we're not doing something that we're called to, typically most of us do something like this. I'll work harder at that. I'll try and be nicer to Scott. I'll try and be more careful in what I say. Or, or I'll go to church more regularly. Or I'll, I'll do this or I'll do that. I'll try harder. You know, and then you ask yourself, how hard does a tree work, an apple tree work, to produce apples? It, it doesn't work at it right. I mean, it can't not produce apples. I mean, if that tree's planted in the soil, it's got water and it's got sun, it's going to produce apples. It doesn't try to. It doesn't have to try to. And this is the thing, when you and I get convicted and say, I don't see much fruit in our life, the solution is not to tell yourself to try harder. I'll be a better person. I'll be nicer. I'll be kinder. All of that is fine, but this is the deal. If you abide in Jesus, you'll bear Jesus' fruit. You won't think, I've got to work harder. You will. It can't be otherwise. You know, a few weeks ago when we talked about being transformed into Jesus' image, you know, I might be convicted and say, I'm, I'm not holy the way I should be holy. And so I say, I've got to become more holy. Or I'll, say, I'll, I'll uh, isolate some other area of my life and I'll say, I'm, I'm deficient in this area and so I've got to focus on that one area of life well that's fine at one level but it misses the mark at the broader level because this was the thing you remember in transformation i'm being transformed into the image of jesus so if i'm transformed into jesus image am i growing in holiness absolutely every area of my life that i might isolate if i say i'm being transformed into christ's image that area i'll grow in well that's the same in fruit bearing It's the same dynamic. So if I look at my life, and inevitably we do, right? We say, man, I don't see much. We'll talk about the fruits that we should see. I don't see much going on. The solution is not to try harder, and it's not to be a nicer person. The solution is to abide in Christ. It's to get our life from Him. Uh, Hopefully you're still there in John 15. Abide, from the Greek word meno, It's a simple word. It's uncomplicated. It just means to stay or to remain. You know, sometimes we want to complicate. This is uncomplicated. Jesus says, if you stay with Me, if you remain in Me, if you hang out with Me. He says it ten times in verses 1-17. through I'll bet He's trying to make a point, don't you? That the secret to bearing fruit that honors the Father, validates our claim to Christ, and really is just a great thing anyway, is simply to remain in Him. It's not complicated. You don't have to go around the world to do this. You can do this right where you are today. 
to produce Jesus' kind of fruit, you've got to hang out with Jesus. If you hang out with Jesus, you'll bear Jesus' kind of fruit. It cannot be otherwise. That good tree, it's always going to produce good fruit. It can't be otherwise. That bad tree, it'll never produce good fruit. can't be otherwise. If you and I look at our life, clear-eyed evaluation, and say, I'm not seeing the kind of fruit Jesus called me to, the solution isn't to be particular in one area, it's to abide in Christ. So, in that text, abide in me, verse 4, uh, the branch unless it abides in the vine, unless you abide in me, he who abides in me, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, abide in my love, you will abide in my love, I kept my Father's commands, abide in His love. Abide, 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 abide. Remain, remain. Stay, stay, stay. That's how you produce fruit. You abide in Jesus. You draw your life from Him. So, if we abide in Jesus, if we draw our life from Him, if He's the one informing who we are, what we think, what we do, what we say, we will produce these kinds of fruits that we'll talk about in just a second. You can't get any place else. If you abide in Christ, you'll produce His fruit. Now, I will say this. Jesus says, apart from Me, you can do nothing. Zero. Uh, big zeros. Apart from Me, you can do nothing. Now, it's possible, and I'm sure no one here does this, but you know it's possible for us to act religious and to fake fruit. And Christians are pretty good at faking because we want other people to think we're better than we are. You know, instead of just being transparent, this is who I am, this is where I'm at. Um, we want people to think well of us. That's an idol, that's pride, that's sin, right? But we live there, don't we? All of us at some time, one way or another. We can fake things, but they're not the right thing. They won't be Jesus' fruit. I've told this story before, but just to humble myself before you again, you know, I was a new Christian and I was, I was caught up, me and Jesus. And I'm reading my Bible and I'm, we're, we're fellowshipping and, and I'm serious about Christ and I'm growing and I'm loving it. And one day I'm on an elevator and it comes down to the first floor and I'm in there by myself and the door opens. And there's a UPS carrier. You know, someday I hope I meet this guy. My suspicion is he was a Christian. And he's a young, strapping, handsome guy, got a mustache. I can see it today just like, you know, this is 34 years ago, you know, just like it was yesterday. Got his cap on, UPS cap on. He's got one package in his arms. The door opens. He's beaming goodwill. I mean, he's just lit up right from the inside. And he says, what do you know? And, and you know how your thoughts go at the speed of light in your brain, you know? So the first speed of light thought is, and I kid you not, I'm just sure the Holy Spirit was there, right? I'm abiding. Uh, say Jesus is Lord. And guys, even when I say this state, it sounds corny to me. But say Jesus is Lord. If I can just open my mouth, out it'll come. Jesus is Lord. Well, you know on the speed of light, you know what my second thought was? I'll bet some of you would have had this one too. What will this guy think of me if I say that? Man, does that sound, that sounds strange to me. And I'm going to say he's going to think I'm a nut job. So, to my shame, I swallowed hard, smiled, faked it, said, oh, not much. Serious. So I was abiding, God gives me the word. All I had to do was, it would have been easy. Jesus is Lord. 
but I, my sin kept me down. But I was abiding. I was there right to the brink. And then my fruit shriveled and died. So you know how I'm feeling. I'm a good ex-Catholic. And I can do guilt with the best of them. And so I felt guilty. And so I thought, I've got to redeem myself, right? Good works. So I'm going to find somebody today and I'm going to share the Gospel. And I did. I cornered a guy for an hour <laughs> of absolutely fruitless discussion. And I got the Gospel out. And guess what? See, the first opportunity, that was fruit-bearing, born by abiding in Jesus. That second one, fruitless. It's like, I, I'm, I'm cringing by the end of the conversation. He's unhappy, I'm unhappy, we go our separate ways. In our sinful self, we can fake a lot of things, but we can't produce Jesus' fruit. It only comes from abiding in Him. So we can fake it, that's not what we're after. I hope it's not what we're after. Now, if you say, and I know I'm coming at this backwards, we'll end up talking about abiding here in a minute, but what does fruit that comes from abiding in Jesus look like? What does that fruit look like? From the text, and I think this is a strange one, I don't think we typically talk about this one, but it's very clear in the text, answered prayer is one of the fruits of abiding in Jesus. Answered prayer. In fact, it's the, one, it's the most clear in this passage. Answered prayer. Verse 7, if you abide in Me and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Verse 16, whatever you ask of the Father in My name, He may give to you. You know, most Christians, when we talk about prayer, we talk about our frustrations. It's kind of like, why pray? Or, or I pray, but nothing ever happens. Have you ever said that or heard something? But it makes no difference. It doesn't do anything. So why bother? We're talking about requesting prayer. See, if we're saying that, I'd tell you we're not abiding in Christ, biblically, based on John 15. Because Jesus says if we abide in Him, our prayers are answered. So what does this mean about our prayers? If all those requests are unanswered, what does it mean? They, they come from not abiding in Jesus. Now, there's all kinds of things we could say here. Hold that just a little lightly, okay? You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays. He doesn't want to go to the cross, guys. He knows what's coming. And He doesn't want it. So He pours out His heart to His Father, doesn't He? Three times. Lord, hey, Father, Dad. If, by the way, if there's any way that this cup can pass, let's do that instead, okay? So he's praying, right? He's praying. He's pouring out his heart to his Father. That's prayer. And we should do that. But at the end of it, he says, but not my will, but your will be done. And that's the one the Father answers, isn't it? Because Jesus must go to the cross to glorify the Father and to produce the fruit, which is the transformed lives that are you and me today and everyone else through history. But you see both there, don't you? Jesus pours out His heart. God, this is where I'm really at. This is what I really hope. But then He says, but not my will, but yours be done. We're not putting ourselves in a straitjacket in prayer when we say this, but this is the thing. I'm convinced most of us get, do not get past God bless me, God bless so-and-so. Because we feel better about that. But that's not necessarily God's will. Sometimes God's will for you and me is suffering and pain. And God's not going to bless so-and-so by giving them out of that frying pan in the moment. He's not going to do it because that's actually His will. He's using that. So what we want to learn is if I'm abiding in Jesus, 
I pray Jesus kind of prayers. I've got to know what Jesus would pray. If I don't know what Jesus would pray, please don't say in Jesus' name. Okay? In Jesus' name is like putting Jesus' name on our check. If it's not what Jesus would pray for, don't say in Jesus' name. How do we know what Jesus would pray for? You've got to know what He says in His Word. The Bible. This is what we don't do in prayer. We don't pray Jesus will because we're not abiding in Jesus. His Word, He said, would abide in us. Then we would pray and they would be answered. Do you think the Father answered all of Jesus' prayers? Absolutely. Because He's praying the Father's will. We pray our will and wonder why God doesn't respond. So we need to change the way we think about prayer. This is a validation of our union with Christ, our abiding in Christ. We pray prayers that the Father answers. Love, John 15, 12. This is my command that you love one another. Have you ever met an unloving Christian? Have you ever been an unloving Christian? You're not abiding in Christ. They're not abiding in Christ. You know, this is the command that I give, that you love one another. The church, Christians are supposed to be visible to the world because we have a unique kind of love for each other. If we're unloving, we are not abiding in Christ. And you know, this, is, this doesn't mean touchy-feely, by the way. You know, Jesus, He whacks His boys, doesn't He? Sometimes when their attitude's out of line, He rebukes them. He reproves them. I don't mean this is, this is a saccharine, touchy-feely love. I mean this is acting in the best interest of others. That's biblical love. Jesus always did that. If I'm abiding in Jesus, I love others. Evangelism. You know, I know evangelism is always the thing, evangelism and prayer, that convict us. It's the low blow to the midsection of every Christian. How are you doing with sharing the gospel with others? Oh, not good. How are you doing in your prayer? Oh. But you know, this is the thing. How many of you guys are excited about KU basketball? Wow. Go, Jayhawks. Manny, thank you. You know, how hard do you work at talking to others about KU basketball? I'll bet you don't work at all. Or if you're a K-State fan during the fall season. <laughs> football, right? You don't work at this. You're enthusiastic about it. So when you see somebody else, it comes out. It bubbles over. You can't help yourself. Guys, if we're abiding with Christ, you don't have to work at evangelism. It'll come out. You don't have to do what I did, that stupid hour-long conversation, figuring out, okay, he said this, now I'll say this, and he'll say this, and I'll say this, and then I'll get to... If you're abiding in Christ, Christ's life is so cool, it's so overwhelming, it's so good that you'll be talking to others about it. And if it isn't, at least, at least as a, a typical element of your life, we go through seasons of loss, sadness, and suffering. Not saying that's not true. But if the characterization of your life and mine isn't that we're so jazzed about what we're getting from Christ, that we can't help but spill over to others who don't have that, we're probably not abiding with Jesus. We're not doing what He says in John 15. The character traits of Christ, we talked about this uh, two weeks ago in Transformation. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Guys, this is an acid test. If you say, what does Jesus look like? This is it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's it. If you look at your life and say, I don't see these fruits or some of them are missing, you're not abiding in Christ. Now, we know this is progressive, don't we? A brand new believer is not going to see the amount or the degree of fruit in their life that someone, who, God willing, that someone who's walked with the Lord a long time should see. 
It's progressive. It should grow. But this is what we should see. Christ's character is called the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus in us as we abide in Him produces these characteristics. It can't be otherwise. can't be otherwise. Abiding in Jesus produces worship. Hebrews 13.15 says it this way, Through Jesus, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. The fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. You, know, you look in the Gospels and you'll see Jesus just erupt in thanks and prayer and praise of God the Father. I thank You, Lord, that You've hidden these things from the wise and the proud and the intelligent. You revealed them to babes. He just breaks out because He loves His Dad. He knows His Dad. He knows His Father. And so He erupts in praise. And guys, let me say this. If you find your heart cold in times of corporate worship, almost certainly you're not abiding in Christ. If you say, I feel half-hearted in my praise and worship, you're not hanging out with Jesus. In fact, thankless Christians, maybe we haven't seen Jesus yet. Because the fruit of our lips, praise and thanks to God, you get that when you hang out with Jesus. And you see that in Him in the Gospels. So if we don't see that in our life, an attitude of thanksgiving for what God's given us, what He's doing, His promises... If we don't have a thankful heart as a norm, if we don't see ourselves regularly given to praising God, to declaring His excellencies, guys, we're not hanging out with Jesus. We're not abiding. Words, Proverbs 12.14 says this, A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his words. You know, when you have to eat your words, is that a good thing? Is that a healthy thing? Do you like the diet if we're eating our own words? Well, if we're hanging out with Jesus, the words of our mouth, they're things we're glad to live with. We're being careful about our words. And they bear good fruit. The Word, you know, Scripture's clear. What comes out of our heart, that's what informs our mouth. We say, I didn't mean that. Yeah, probably we did. It's just that we know it's wrong. It comes out of a bad heart. But our words, that should... The fruit of abiding with Christ should be words that we're glad we've spoken. We can live with those. Last, we could go on by the way. Last one I'll share is repentance and attitude of repentance. Now it's not that Jesus is repenting. But an attitude of humility that leads to repentance is going to be found in the person who's hanging out with Jesus, who's abiding in Jesus. In Luke 3, 8, some guys were coming down to be baptized by John the Baptist, and he's skeptical. It's like, why are you here? What's going on? You know, what's your real motive? And so he says, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. See, this is the deal. When you abide with Jesus, not only do you begin seeing more of his character traits in you, but this is the other thing that happens. You see more of the vistas the vast areas of your life that are sinful it, and that can't be otherwise so we hang out with jesus we're abiding with him his spirit's in us his words in us and we're glad for this positive transformation but as we go along we see things that we hadn't seen before and i shared this before but a month ago i just got hammered and guys, I think I'm pretty good at some things in all humility. I try and be objective. I know what the Bible says about pride and humility. And I try and be really careful about those things. 
<clears throat> but when Larry Stewart was driving us home last month, <clears throat> I was hiding it from everyone around me, you know, crying inside. I was miserable because I was so stinking convicted. And it wasn't like, Mike, you're a little proud. It was like, Mike, where are you not proud? Just look, just take a little honest assessment here. I was absolutely miserable all day and all night. But you know, if someone said, oh, Mike, you're not that bad, it'd be a wrong, wrong thing to say, wrong time. Nope, God's, God's saying this is the deal, Junior. And here I think I'm doing well, and maybe I've got a little thing or a, there, a little thing there. And he's like, you know, it's like going to the edge of the Grand Canyon looking across. It's not a little, you know, it's as far as the eye can see. Well, see, <clears throat> God's going to do that in us as we abide in Christ. You're going to see the areas of sin in your life. If we're not humble and entertain this attitude of repentance, Lord, you showed me and I don't want it. We're not going to continue to abide and see fruit. By the way, you know that, that I went to bed miserable that night. I, I was so convicted and I'm repenting and I'm praying. And, but you know what? I woke up the next morning with more peace than I've had in I couldn't tell you how long. Because God was in it. You know, He's pruning me. He's cleaning me up. Helping me. So, those are what some of the fruits of abiding in Jesus look like. This is what the grapes on your branch and mine are meant to look like. Answered prayer, love, evangelism. Jesus' character in Galatians 5. Worship, the good words, an attitude of repentance. If you look at your life and you say, I'm not seeing much of the fruit, then the first question is, are you a Christian? And I don't want to bypass this. I don't want to assume anything. Because I'm convinced that a lot of us are going to church and we're not Christians. We're not saved. We've never been saved. We look at our life and say, that's not what I see. And I say, well, it's, it's because you're not in the vine. So have you ever come to that moment of clarity where you understand God's holy and I'm sinful? And there's a gap in between that I can't get across on my own. And so I say to God, thank you for your son Jesus. He bore my penalty on the cross. My sins are covered by His blood. And that's what I want. And Father, I receive it with open arms. That's the moment of conversion, of repentance and salvation. And that's where we start. So if you don't see the fruit, just as we said, if you don't see the transformation, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? You need to be very, very clear on that. Then it gets to this. Are you abiding? Because again, this is the bottom line. If you're abiding in Jesus, you'll see these fruits. You cannot abide in Jesus and not see these fruits. It can't happen. That apple tree is going to produce apples. It will, it must, can't be otherwise. If you're abiding in Christ, you'll see these. If you look at your life and say, I don't see them, then I tell you, absolutely, it's like a math equation, you're not abiding. So what does abiding look like? You're going to think I'm a broken record, by the way. And it's because I can't get away from this is what the Bible says. You know, you've got to read your Bible. You've got to read your Bible. Jesus said, my words abide in you. What are His words? They're the Bible. If Jesus is abiding in me and His Word's abiding in me, it's because I'm abiding in His Word. I'm spending time in the Bible. We say read the Bible here regularly. Sickeningly, perhaps. And that's shorthand. Because really we mean read it, think about it, meditate on it, memorize it, turn it over in your mind. What does that look like? Apply it. We are not abiding in Jesus if we're not abiding in His Word. If you're not abiding in the Word, if you're not taking your cues from the Bible, if you're not in it, all the time. All the time. And guys, <clears throat> when I go through these, 
it'll sound like, oh, those are the disciplines, the spiritual disciplines somebody talked about that I don't want to do. You know, that looks too religious for me. Do you want me to be a monk? Do you want me to go to the monastery? What's my life going to look like? You know? It's like we, we fail to understand that our world has painted a great caricature of a lousy religion. Who would want to live that way, right? But these things, if you want real life and joy and peace, this is where you get them. Forget what the culture says. This is where you get them. You want to know Jesus and His peace and be fruitful? You abide in His Word. We're reading our Bibles. We're talking about what's in them. We're applying them. We're meditating on them. We're turning them over in our mind. If you don't do that, you're not abiding in Jesus. Period. Period. Prayer. And when we talked about this in transformation, it's not just God, please bless. Though we're good with that, right? We're good with requests. It's hanging out with Jesus in prayer. You know, more often than not, frankly, related to teaching, you know, I can look at my Bible, I can work really hard because I've got to teach. It's got to be impressive. You've got to love me for it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, and I work hard and I'm looking, but you know when almost always God gives me what I'm to teach? It's when I'm prayerfully meditating. It's when I'm not working hard. I've been in His Word and I'm just, I'm just meditating on that with the Lord in prayer. Lord, what does that look like? And, and Father, what, does that, what do I get from that? It's not work. I've told Kathy, I'm a really dull guy. And if God doesn't plant a seed in my mind that grows this stuff, I can't teach. I love teaching. But you know what? I can't just stand up and teach. God has to give me something. And I get that when I meditate and when I pray. And it's not hard. He just drops it in. Bing, there it is. Okay, I can do that. We can talk about that. So prayer. Fellowship with other believers. Guys, it has become hip and cool to say, I love Jesus. It's Christians I can't stand. Jesus and me, we're hip. Side by side. We're pards. We're friends. But the church... Those wacky Christians out there, forget it. You know, it's only very immature, arrogant, ignorant Christians that speak that way. Anyone raising your hand here? You're here, so that's a good thing. But this is going on in Christians in our contemporary culture, and that's ignorant. And that comes from a person who's not abiding in Jesus. You can't love Jesus and not love the church. Jesus loves the church. Now, I'm all for fessing up. The church in the West is a mess. We're Laodicea. And guess what? Jesus loves us anyway. So, if we're abiding in Jesus, we're hanging out with the church. Because He loves the church. And that's what He's doing. We're hanging out. We're fellowshipping. We're living transparent lives with others who are calling on Jesus' name too. And worship, we're worshiping. Psalm 27, David, you know, love the Lord. What'd that look like? He says, Lord, all I want is to hang out in your tabernacle and check you out. Look you over. See your greatness, your beauty. If we're abiding in Jesus, we're worshiping. Let me wind down uh, quickly here. Let me ask you, does that define your life? Does that sound like your life? And maybe say in one or two places, yeah, a little bit, and not much in others. Okay, well, it's the package, isn't it? It's the package we've got to be after. Other priorities are usually the reason why we're not abiding in Jesus. So, for instance, we're abiding elsewhere. I'm thinking of TV or something like this at the top of the list. Let me ask you, a Christian who watches three hours of television a night 
and prays and reads their Bible ten minutes in the morning, where are they abiding? Is this a hard question? Oh, I read my Bible every day. I pray every day. But I don't see the fruit. Hmm. I'm actually abiding in the world, aren't I? I'm abiding in the television, the sitcoms, or whatever it is I'm reading. That's where I'm abiding. That's where I'm deriving the cues for my life. Three hours, ten minutes. Hmm. Which is Which is real? Which am I taking my markers from? This is not hard for me. Or entertainment and hobbies. And as I say this, I'm not opposed to any of these. God, God bless us in all of them, right? Enjoy all of them in proportion. But when we raise them up so that they, they become the major cues for our life, then we say we're not abiding in Jesus so much as we're abiding in my hobby. Abiding in these means of entertainment. Abiding in social media. Again, it's not that those are bad. It's where do they stand in the list of my priorities? Am I abiding in Jesus or am I abiding in other things, other places, other venues? That's usually for most of us, that's the problem. Uh, Cares of this world, Luke 8.14. Jesus told the parable of the sower and the seed. He said the seed got thrown out and it sprouted. That's what seeds do in soil, right? And the plants come up. But it says the cares of this world choked it out. You know, some of us are so fearful about either paying bills or our health or what's going on in someone else's life, we're bound up with fear and angst and we don't produce fruit. We're worriers. And most of us oftentimes think that's a good thing. That's not a good thing. Because a Christian abiding with Jesus is giving their cares to God and getting peace instead. Paul talks about this in Philippians. That's not okay. It's fruit killing the cares and to focus so much on the world and what's going on in it that it kills off what Jesus would otherwise be doing in me. Another thing along that line, John 12, 24, you know, unless you're willing to die, you can't be fruitful. Jesus said about Himself, but it also applies to us, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies... It remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Some of us are hanging on to areas of our life we don't want to give up. Jesus and the Scriptures call this saving our life. Jesus says when we save our life, we lose it. In those areas where you've got something that you've said between you and God, God, thanks for everything else, this one thing, I'm holding on to it. Or these two or three things, I know they're not right, but... They give me such satisfaction that I'm not willing to turn them loose. Guys, you'll die. That stuff will kill you. You can't abide in Christ when you're saying, I'm going to save my life. It can't happen. You won't find that kind of fruit. James 3.18 on your study sheet. Um, the worldly wisdom will kill fruitfulness in your life as well. James 3.18 says, The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. God's wisdom in us through His Word and through His Spirit. We plant seeds of peace. They produce righteousness. That's God's kind of wisdom. Totally opposed to the world's wisdom. Let me close with this. Psalm 1 is a great image. John 15 is the vine and the branches. But you've got a very similar theme in Psalm 1. And it's the first psalm and it's supposed to sort of get us ready for everything that follows. And, and what does it say? How blessed, how happy, how successful, how joyous is the man, the woman, the boy, the child, the little girl who does a few things.
They quit doing some things. They quit walking in the way of the wicked. They quit standing in the way of sinners. They quit sitting in the seat of scoffers. They give up some things. They give up some old friends. They give up some old ways of thinking, some old ways of life. They say goodbye to those because those are incompatible with a life fixed in Christ, in God. But then they do something else. Gave up some old things. That's good, Psalm 1. And then they did something else. They delight in God's Word. Giving up some old things. Delighting in God's Word. Meditating in it day and night. Does that sound boring to you? If it is, you're not meditating in God's Word because it is invigorating. It is mind-expanding. It is freeing. It's joy and peace as I meditate in God's Word day and night. I used to have a habit of reading my Bible every night before I went to sleep as well as in the day, you know, throughout the day. And I'd given that up for a while and I'm like, why did I do that? You know, I'm getting to bed, I'm tired. But as I'm winding down each day again with God's Word, it's like, why did I ever quit? It's life-giving. Meditating day and night. He's like a tree. So Jesus says, I'm the true vine, right? Well, in Psalm 1, it's the tree. And that guy that's meditating on God in His Word, drawing his sustenance, his nourishment from God in His Word, he's like this tree planted by a stream of water. And guess what he's doing? He's always producing fruit. And his leaf never withers because there's no lack of water. And in all that he does, he succeeds or he prospers. That tree there in Psalm 1, just like the vine in John 15, Psalm 1, John 15. That's the image. See, we're abiding in Jesus. It's a given. He's abiding in us. And when that happens, we produce fruit. And God's will for your life, if you're a Christian, if you name Jesus as your Savior, God's will for your life is fruit. Not a little, but a lot. You don't have to work hard at it. All you've got to do is abide. Makes it simple for us. Father, we thank You for the life that Your Son gave for us. Lord, He became preeminently that seed that was sown in the soil of death. His death on the cross for us that then becomes this life-giving plant producing fruit through the ages. And Father, would You help us to be so intimately connected in Jesus, Jesus in us and us in Him, through His Word, Lord, by Your Spirit, in the fellowship of the saints, God, would You be producing in us fruit that lasts, fruit that glorifies You, fruit that validates our claim to belong to Jesus. Lord, fruit that lasts forever. God, would You do that in us? In Jesus' name, Amen.